Welcome to Bottomless Rugby, the home of boys, brews and sports balls. This is the main event with Dr. Dup, Kaya and Jason. We talk about the current hot topic of the week, touch base on interesting news and pick a boy key of the week. If you are a new listener, welcome to the Bottomless Rugby Network with multiple podcasts released every week. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider following Bottomless Rugby on social media and podcast streaming services. Let's get into it. Right, Kai and Jason, thank you for joining me once again this week. Uh, we yeah. have had an interesting hot topic. It's uh, a little bit of a geeky one. Uh, just briefly, um, Kaya, like, what has your experience been with rugby games, rugby video games? Um, I obviously, yeah, not to age myself, was obviously Rugby 06, Rugby 08. I had to play slightly earlier ones, but I won't comment on those. And then I've played some games on my iPhone, and yeah, those have been like the Rugby Nation games, which are yeah, they they can't quite get all the mechanics of the game, but we'll delve into that later. It's just like yeah, you can't quite, you don't feel like you're playing a really rugby. It's a bit static in my view, up until now. So I've not really found a rugby game that's had my heart, if I put it that way. I feel you. I feel you. And Jason, you being the one, the the younger one amongst uh, the three of us here, what has your experience been with the rugby games? You kind of got in a bit later, but I do know, you know, you were smart enough to play some of those earlier stuff as well. Yeah, I was introduced to rugby or eight by one of my very close friends, and he enjoyed thrashing me on that for a while until I got the game myself and eventually learned, you know, the ins and outs. But yeah, like that's that's been majority of my experience with it i have watched some other gameplay of rugby games and all this kind of stuff and i mean nothing is actually that much of an improvement on rugby or eight as we'll get into a bit later so this hasn't been anything else worth playing apart from there was one mobile game i played for a bit where it was just kicking the ball and aiming for, aiming for targets but that was like nothing really yeah that just sounds like a kicking game and not a rugby game you know they wore rugby jerseys man come on <laughs> <laughs> okay i never knew it's a jersey you wear that determines the sport it is eh? <laughs> uh, for myself I, I got into it with rugby 08 uh didn't really play any of the other matches or, or games um so i played i played 08 a lot um that was a lot of fun enjoyed it and when one of the later games came out you know i, I checked the stuff it didn't look that nice and it didn't draw my attention as much. One that did actually keep me occupied for quite a while was um, kind of like a rugby manager game on mobile. I, I played remember that days. a lot. I played that a lot, and it was super fun. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my experience. I've done a bit of the, the live game scenario, and then you know the simulation game. So yeah, let's get into the meat of this topic, right? So let's talk about rugby video games. Uh, why we need it, what there's been so far, and what sort of options there are going forward um, for a proper rugby union game. All right, so first up, so why do we need a proper rugby game? So we all know that, you know, rugby is growing. It's, you know, one of the biggest sports in the Western world now. I mean, obviously, we're not going to come close to, to FIFA. It is what it is. But, you know, below that, we're doing pretty well in terms of growing the game globally. So 
just from that perspective, you know, rugby being a big sport, there needs to be a video game that accurately represents this. Um, and the thing I want to focus on is accurately. Um, there's been games, but, you know, you you have this big market. So we know the gaming industry has become the biggest entertainment market in the world. You know, So this is, from a financial aspect, there's a lot of opportunity that can come out of this. And, you know, to enter that market, you as Rugby Union would want a game that is accurately representing your brand. So just for that reason alone, I think it warrants there being a proper, proper rugby game. Some other key things for why we need a game is, um, so we've got like new generations of kids coming through and they all grow up playing video games. Majority of those that are fortunate enough to do that. But we've seen that in other sports games, you know, it is a really good avenue to attract young fans and then keep them long term with the succession of games that come out. So this is another way that we can bring fans in. And even if we don't get like physically playing fans, it's still going to benefit rugby by getting fans that like to, to take in the product, even though they're not playing themselves on the rugby pitch. The other thing I think is important to mention here is that there's a lot of possibilities for, for revenue, being that the gaming industry is so big. Um, so simply just from selling games with the entertainment value they provide. Um, brand recognition is going to go up because you're exposing rugby to you know much wider audience. And then the other thing is important, esports is growing absolutely crazy, right? And there's a lot of possibilities for this. If you can start up a rugby esports league, that's going to do wonders for the game. And even recently now, Munster went into a agreement with uh, you know an esports league or team, and they actually now using the name Munster, and they've basically got an esports team. So there's a lot of opportunity in this, right? So are are you guys with me in agreement for why we need a rugby video game? Like Augustine Pichot went on about this, and we did at the time speak about it. We need a good game, right? What is what are you guys' thoughts on this? In terms of growth, um, you need it. Because like FIFA has helped actually grow football. Because all people play play it out of that. And also like for NBA 2K, a lot of people have actually learned how to play basketball properly by playing 2K. And understood a lot of the tactics and how to play it. And with rugby being such a complex game, having a good game where people actually could learn about the basics as well and learn about the tactical nuances would be really great. Yeah, for me, like, the saddest thing during this lockdown... Okay, not the saddest thing. Let me put that straight out the way, okay? <laughs> One of the sad things in this lockdown period was, you know, you, you saw, like, the football leagues. Like, there was a Premier League FIFA tournament. And that was awesome to watch. And they organized something similar for rugby. But the rugby players were playing FIFA. Like, it was just so sad that there was this big opportunity for them to have this big rugby tournament between these teams, maybe even emulate that with a super rugby rugby tournament but there wasn't a game that could do it. So they were just playing FIFA. So that was sad for me. I think that was such a fail, right? Because it does look bad, you know, when you can't play your your actual sport. You have this tech available that you can provide entertainment to your fans, right? And you get a whole bunch of rugby players to play FIFA. You know, it really would have been a lot better if they were playing rugby. I know in, in the north, uh, they did do a little bit of that. I think the guys played uh, rugby 20, uh, some of those guys. But, I mean, Im- imagine if you got, like, um, like let's take Super Rugby, for example. 
And if you've got like, you know, two or three representatives from each team into this competition, you know, and you kind of make like a team style structure play out competition in the meantime, I think it could have been quite exciting um, and engaging for a lot of fans, you know. Um, but let's take a look at what rugby games have been put out there already. And, you know, were there actually some good ones? Um, so interestingly enough, the first rugby game, it's called International Rugby Challenge, that came out in 1993. You know, so it's been 27 years that rugby games have been made. And quite honestly, in those 27 years, there's only two, arguably three solid games that came out. So I'm just quickly going to jot through this um, and let you, tell you guys what there is. Right. So 93, we got International Rugby Challenge. Uh, in 95, they then made Rugby World Cup 95. That was done by EA Sports UK. Right, so EA has been involved since 95. Then 97, we get Jonah Lomi Rugby. Uh, that was by Rage Software. Uh, it came out on PlayStation. Um, so first, first rugby game on PlayStation. People still rave about this game. That's how good it was for its time. Uh, 2000, we get the game Rugby. That was uh, EA Sports again. Uh, 2003 we had rugby 2004 uh, that's done by hb students um, published by ea sports um, 2004 we get the game world championship rugby uh, that's by some studio named swordfish studios uh, 2005 we get rugby 2005 that's done by ea uh, with their studio ea canada in 2006 we get rugby 06 that's done by hb studios and ea sports 2007, the first Rugby Challenge comes out, and that was somewhat good. There was a couple of good reviews out there on that. Um, that was, yeah, once again, Swordfish Studios, a little bit better. They they worked with Ubisoft as well, so maybe that's why there was a little bit more money involved and they could produce something good. Uh, 2007, we probably, in my opinion, get the best one that we've seen so to date, Rugby 08. HP Studios and EA Sports. Um, 2011, we get Rugby Challenge video game again. Uh, and also that same year, we get Rugby World Cup 2011. 2013, we get Rugby Challenge 2. Uh, 2014, Rugby 15. And Rugby World Cup 2015. 2016, Rugby Challenge 3. And then recently now, 2019, we got Rugby 20. And this year, a couple of weeks back, we get Rugby Challenge 4. So there's been quite a lot of games. But out of all of this, right, there's three games that we think were okay. You know, that being Jonah Lomi Rugby, first Rugby Challenge, which was kind of okay, and then Rugby 08. Like, out of all of those, what, what do you guys think? Like, the three of us, I think, can agree Rugby 08 for us to doubt. Has, has either of you played Jonah Lomi Rugby? No, I don't. I mean, that, for that time, that game was way ahead for, like, a rugby game. I think a lot of that was where they built the foundation for Rugby 06 and 08. Um, but also, like, it was like a cheat code to have Joe Maloma because he just, like, ran over everyone. They also had that game mode where you could have a team of just Joe Malomas. Yeah, which where you basically just won. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're playing against it, yeah, that was a nightmare. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the thing is, all right, so there's been about 27 years of rugby. And the point I want to make with this is you would think, okay, guys, by now you should have figured out the formula. But it, it just doesn't seem like that. 
Um, and let's go into a bit of this formula, you know, like what goes into the game development and so on. Um, Kyle, with you being, you know, having that sort of a technical background with coding, you understand this a bit better between the three of us. Um, could you maybe tell us a bit like what are these challenges to make a proper rugby game? Sure, right. So one of the big issues with rugby is that rugby technically has a lot of stuff happening at the same time. And this is where a lot of the guys have gotten this terribly wrong because, so for instance, scrum off passes to a fly half. There's a lot of different people running at different lines on the back line, but also there's a lot of things happening to the ruck that's just ended. And so the big problem is, and the fail that I've had with the AI is that people, the players tend to be very static and that affects the general gameplay. But recreating simple movements also seems to be a problem from like passing, malls, even just a normal scrum. It looks... I don't know if you've seen, like, the scrums always look terrible. They just, and they are, it's like the weird sounds as well, like, <gasps> that's just been my chip. <laughs> I'm like, I've been in a lot of scrums. I don't think that's quite how it happens. So, yeah, it's, it seems like a lot of the mechanics are a problem also because they can't seem to figure out the different ways that different bodies work. So you'll suddenly have, like, a prop clearing kick with the exact same technique as a, as a backliner. So, number one, big issue, budget. These guys don't have a good budget to work with. Number two is player involvement. I don't think... So, when FIFA releases a game, they'll get Sergio Aguero to come in, um, put... What's those things they put on the, on his body? Just sort of like to actually figure out... He can, you know, they'll actually motion capture the players. Yeah. But, but I think that costs a lot of money, which ties into your budget point as well, eh? Yeah. So... But also, like in general, players aren't as involved with the development at all. Like we've seen, none of the players talk about rugby challenge because no one's sort of an influencer for rugby challenge. That's a rugby player. I think at this point, guys really don't want to be associated with like a game that isn't up to standard, which I think is reasonable from their perspective. But I'm saying they're not even involved in the process of making the game, so it's like they clearly don't even want to be involved at all with games at the moment. And number three. World Rugby has never set this out as a priority. Um, FIFA is actually involved with it. So there's two issues with World Rugby. One, the image rights, there's not a central image rights place in, in, in within Rugby, unlike in FIFA where there's FIFA Pro, which is the football players union, except for Germany, which isn't linked to it. So that immediately causes issues in terms of image rights for players and stadiums, etc. And also, like... There's no people that are within World Rugby that are looking to make this happen. So one of the things that, what's his name? Augustine Pischer would have done. Ah, oh, such pain in my heart. He wanted to set up an R&D department, department within Rugby, World Rugby to work on, on games so as to get to new markets. And I think that would have been vital. I'm with you, man. I think that would have been absolutely vital um the your your point on you know players being involved um you know potentially doing something like a motion caps and so forth i think that needs needs to happen and we're not entirely sure whether they have done some of that stuff but interesting enough like i just last night i was looking for a couple of papers for numbers out wide and i came across a research paper that uh talks about um scrum physics and they've taken like a couple of measurements like they got the guys to scrum against the machine. So they've now basically, you know, have like 
good proper data on the scrum physics and forces that go on there and in that they also said like this is they did that to kind of form like a basis of a model that could actually accurately describe what happens in the scrum and i think this is the kind of research that would go into the game once game developers go there they would go speak to these researchers be like all right what is actually going on there uh, within a scrum and how do we translate that data you guys got into an algorithm that can be processed in real time to get a result for the scrum and that i think needs to happen a bit more now like we need to get like the research side and you know the developers need to need to come together and be like cool like what is what do we have available now data wise then look at what can we process or how much of that data can we process uh, set the baseline on what is possible now and then work forward from there, you know? Yeah, and the other thing is like, I mean, just basic tactics of the game. Like think about with all the development, they've never been able to get proper AI in. So if you think about it, in playing Repio A206, have you ever had it like make a tactical kick? Or do you just think, oh, I'm on my try line, I'll run it out? No, you play wide, come back one phase, and then you take the short side and you go score a try. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's bring Jason into this, right? So, so Jason, you you've played quite a bit of rugby lately compared to us, um, you know, on, on video game. Um, and I actually want to want to bring you in from the the fan perspective, the gaming perspective, um, but also like, what sort of game modes might be well, and we we tie that in with Kaya, you know, um, like what can be processed. So, what sort of options are available to make a good game? So. They, they, they're trying the live rugby thing and, you know, it's it's been hit and miss, mainly misses. Um, then mobile, we've seen like simulation-based game like Rugby Manager, which I think, you know, for mobile game, it is really good and there's interesting stuff going on there. Um, and then there was an article that I read by um, like one of those game review guys uh, spoke about this and he put out their suggestion for like a semi-turn-based um, kind of a system you know imagine like all right you you got a set piece you basically give like a couple of commands of like what you want to happen kind of like you would with um, Madden you know like cool I want to run this play and then the guys would kind of perform that um, and if you for example get to Iraq it could be like you have a limited set of time where you have to make a couple of decisions, like a couple of basic decisions, like, cool, I want to play a short ball, first channel, I want to play to 10, who's going to, like, you know, do whatever. Um, Jason, like, what are your thoughts on some of these variations that could be there um, for, for for these games? Well, for me, you know, being a bit more on the, the geeky side of rugby, a simulation game where you can control everything down to, like, how your forwards are positioned, how your backs are positioned, defensive patterns, attacking patterns. That would be really appealing to me personally. But I think if you want a general game, you have to go, like unfortunately, you have to stick with like the live simulation because if you try to make rugby, a rugby game that's like the turn-based style, then that's essentially, it's taking away the spirit of rugby, which is that you're constantly going, you're constantly moving, and it makes it more like a football game. And there's football games already out there. So like, that's just for me personally. Like a turn-based game, I wouldn't be that interested in. But like, if you're going away from the live live action style, I think a simulation game would be great. But again, that's because I'm a bit of a nerd. Yeah, quickly on that turn-based, um, I don't know if you've played a game called XCOM. 
Uh, no, but I've heard of it. You've heard of it, right? So it's basically like a turn-based tactical forces, special forces type game where you go on in with a couple of soldiers and you go do things. So that's like a turn-based version of what would normally be like a first-person shooter. And I must say, like, personally, I'm quite intrigued by the suggestion that this guy had um, for a turn-based um, variation of this game, which I think would kind of be a compromise between right how much data can be processed by the algorithms you know and what you can get out of it like i feel like that is potentially if you want to put like a good product out there that you can be quite confident about it might probably fall into that sort of a category because i'm I'm with you kaya that um i think ai might be the future for for solving this because there's just so much that happens in rugby that i feel like you'd need to run this on some sort of an an ai based algorithm or system you know making use of machine learning what do you think Kaya? yeah that's the way to go they have another option um that's where the access that's where world rugby comes in they have all the archives of all the rugby games that the machine learning would have to go through to understand the basics of tactics because i don't think from correction rugby eight you can't choose tactical style of play you can to an extent can't you on defense so, you can so you can't be like we're we're going to play 10-man rugby or we're going to play crash ball like you don't you can't really choose a style yeah offensive style you can't but i remember on, on defense you could select you know do you want to select a wide defense a more uh, short do you want to watch out for the kick do you want to watch out for that but again that was very limited yeah the other thing with the ai that um i think would be quite interesting so quite recently i watched um on youtube these documentaries these guys work with ai um, they made an AI called AlphaGo, where they trained an AI to play the game Go. And then after that, they made a, made another AI called AlphaStar, which they built an AI that can play StarCraft. And this AI is, well, let me put it this way. So AlphaGo is so good, it beat like the world's best Go player, something like nine times out of ten. And eventually the guy retired because he was just like, like the way that the AI developed the strategy was so new and outside of the box that like us humans haven't even thought about it yet. Um, and this AI was capable of going outside of a box. And then they saw a similar thing with the AI on StarCraft. I mean, they were training this AI to play against like top ranked players, like the, like some of the best guys playing StarCraft. And it will absolutely wipe the floor with them, even when they put some restrictions on it where it's like, okay, like it will only see the view that a player himself or herself would normally see. And it was just so much better at making strategic decisions. And what would be really interesting if we start to do this with rugby and AI, I would be fascinated to see what tactical perspectives would an AI consider to be effective or not effective. And it could have huge impacts on the way that we play rugby in real life as well. Because this could be a way to identify strategies that we haven't even thought about yet. I mean, especially because, like, rugby hasn't taken the technical approach that it should have across the board. And I think that would be the most helpful part of it. But I want to also jump on the, the like, the football manager style game and be like, one of the benefits of the football manager style game, and I, I know this from, like, I'm a football manager addict. You have problems, Kyle. You have big, big problems. You need help, my bro. Hey, Brian, you got other addictions of your own there, okay? Put that, <laughs> which we can't mention on. We're not talking about <laughs> right now. <laughs> Take that to your therapist. We're talking about yours. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it to mine. You take it to yours. Um, but like a done deal. But like you learn the technical nuances of each position, and I think that's one of the things that could this when you are new to rugby. Like for us, we've been playing the game for years. We know like the sport well. But even then, we're still confused about new laws, etc. that keep changing. If you're a new person that's trying to come to sport, understanding the basics of each position can take time. But if you have like a, something like a football manager where you learn different strategies and different ways of playing, I think it would actually help speed it up for a lot of people and also make it more interactive for them. So that's the other benefit of like a football manager style game. And honestly, of all the types, that's the one that could be made the fastest. I'm there with you 100%. I think the first thing they need to do is build a proper rugby simulation game that you can play on console because the console will give them the processing power more so than a mobile device will. And let's just start with building a good simulation game because I think the sort of mechanics and algorithms that you work into the simulation game can then translate into a real life, um, like a live action type of game. You know, it can, can lay foundation pretty well. Um, but Jason, right, so let's kind of move on a little bit to the latest game that came out and the one that prompted this topic you know uh, that is the release of rugby challenge 4 right that came out recently can you take us through that um what the sort of responses are what's your opinion on this you know and what you would expect for a proper rugby game you know to really get your juices flowing yeah so i've gone through I've seen a couple of the reviews on social media. I've looked at the proper some reviews done by various rugby websites. So I'll start with the pros. Let's be positive first. So the graphics are better than Rugby Challenge 3. And you can do set plays and they put the back line and exit out of set plays at any point during it. So basically Rugby 8. So that's the end of the positives, okay? <laughs> wow, that was, that was very quick. And I look for positives. That's the thing. Like a couple of the positive people listed was like you can edit players so that licensing issues don't affect it as much if you're willing to sit and edit player names. And uh, but you can't edit their stats. So uh, anyway, let's go to the negatives here. So with scrums, it's very it's very basic. Literally, you're just scrumming forward and backwards. There aren't any scrum penalties. You don't have scrum tactics like wheeling the scrums. I might be wrong, but this is which what I got from the reviews. You cannot maul over the try line and score that way. Apparently, the ball gets passed before the try line. I don't know how you have a rugby game without <laughs> more tries. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous because Rugby 8 had that. <laughs> Again, a game published 13 years ago has the up on a game published today. Like when you consider we were technologically 13 years ago, that's not good. So moving on to like the gameplay, you know, general gameplay. You can get past the set pieces. People don't really like those. Very unrealistic running lines. It always looks like you're watching in the under 10 rugby because the guys don't know exactly where they're wanting to be. The passing system is broken. I watched a game, South Africa versus New Zealand, that was simulated. Beast passed from the middle of the field to Matumpi on the wing. That's not going to happen. Never. <laughs> Never. You got 40 meter passes fine. And you know, one of the reviews said that the passing has improved because apparently in Rugby Challenge 3, were, you'd pass, and sometimes it would just go 60 meters behind the back line. So that's also an issue. But moving on from, again, ridiculous oh passes. Standards are so low. Yeah, the licensing is a big problem. Like Super Rugby, uh, specifically, Waratahs, Jaguares, and one other team aren't licensed. 
you go to the national teams, five of the top 10 nations aren't licensed. I think it's Ireland, Scotland, Australia, Japan, and a few others I'm forgetting right now. But those are big names and we get a big part of your market from. So that's not very good in my opinion. And with all this considered, like it's not that much better than Rugby Challenge 3. Rugby Challenge 4 is selling for 999 Rand on the PlayStation Store. Rugby Challenge 3 is like 459 or something like that. I wouldn't spend that money on either of these games because they're only <laughs> going to be good for literally playing one-on-one matches. I know they say there's a career mode, but I haven't heard anything said about that. So honestly, I don't see why these would be worth buying now, especially since they're apparently very glitchy uh, on first release. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel like the standards of games haven't been anywhere close to justifying that sort of an amount for a game. It's It's just not not fair for the fans who want to buy this you're going to be paying for something that's not worth that value exactly like if i had to sit here and like myself and i have a wish list of like what i would want in a proper rugby game and if you want to compare it to other games obviously the benchmark is like a game like fifa to less extent football manager but there isn't that much money to get it to there but basically what i want from it is just like a challenging realistic game that you can play against your mates on where there aren't where it's not broken to the point that you think oh i can't do this obviously you don't overcomplicate it but you just want something you can play against with your mates and have fun and then like in your personal time you want to do with like saying like career mode so you want something fully licensed you don't want to be playing with hunter darren as the 10 for crusaders or something like that you know? and then you, you obviously need something like realistic player progression if you're going to have career modes like Old players need to get a bit worse as they get older. Young players need to improve. Um, needs to be realistic ratings as well. That was a problem with Rugby Challenge 4, where a guy like Jean Augustus, who's been very good in Super Rugby, was rated, I think, I think it was nine ratings lower than a guy who's just breaking into the scene. So obviously, that's not realistic. You want to sound like a Say his name, Jason. Well. Say his name. I know you're scared of him. I know you're scared of him because he's your friend. Say his name. <laughs> it's Nama Kaba. Like he, he even admitted himself on the Instagram post. Like he's he's going to be that rating one day and above. But right now, he hasn't done enough to warrant it. That's a good man. That's an honest man. Yeah, like he is that kind of guy. But anyway, like I obviously want the youth system in there as well. And you want to be able to say, okay, I'm coaching at the Sharks. Oh, Saracens want me. Let me go Saracens. So that's like the basics. Obviously, like I said before, rugby sim would be fantastic. But for now, I think just improving on the rugby 8 model, like I've said many times before, remaster that game and give it a proper career mode. I know there are other legal technicalities, but do you know how well that game would sell? I think that game would make a lot of money with the remaster. And the remaster thing has just been doing well in recent recent years. Uh, people want to get that nostalgic feel here, but they want to have that more modern look to it, uh, which would, you know, go a long way forward. And obviously remaster BJ Boitz's rating. He's not a 46. Yeah, you, you got to update that stuff. Got to got to update it. Um, I think something like with the ratings and stuff like that, one way that they can get around that is um, to, to go the route that um, NBA has, has done like that. So NBA 2K allows fans and so forth to upload um, rosters onto the server that you can then decide to go download 
and so forth. So I think kind of opening it up for, um, you know, fan input to kind of have these resources available. So one could decide, hey, like what were what were uh, teams in like the early 90s, those team sheets and so forth that you can, you know, someone can do that, give ratings for them, you know, if they want to go through all that effort. Uh, but it would be a nice feature for a fan to be like, cool, I want to download, you know, this these rosters for that time period and play with these nostalgic teams. I think that would be really cool. Um, career mode, I think like, yeah, if we're talking like a benchmark type of game, I feel like a proper, proper career mode is a must. Uh, potentially something where you like kind of just finish with school, like within the South African context, it's like, right, you, you get selected for Craven Week. Now you've got to show yourself at the Craven Week and there you get your contract to go forward, for example, you know. And then you go into your journey. Um, it can have, probably have similar structures in other countries. Uh, but I'm with you. Like, um, Well, the Pacific Islands, you'd have to choose to play for New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that that would be an interesting thing to add in there. you got to make a choice. Like, are you going to back yourself for New Zealand or are you going to like be true to your home country, you know? That'd be fun. Uh, that would be quite interesting. Right? Yeah. What, so what we want is... Like, like you say, Jason, like at the core, this needs to be a game that you and your mate can just play couch co-op, right? Um, and it and it needs to compete with, you know, you and your mate playing FIFA, for example, right? And and that's kind of going to be the big challenge. It's like, can we just give the rugby guys a proper game that they can come together and play rugby instead of FIFA? Because the game actually works, you know? That's going to be the big challenge yeah. for them to solve. And then rightly so, when your mate's not there and you just want to, you know, play that that singles position-specific career mode, you then do that. Uh, definitely, definitely think, um, yeah, those are the ways forwards. Um, all right, guys, final thoughts on this. Any any closing remarks you want to make, Kaya? Um, I just want to know, like, when the Rugby Challenge 4 guys were sitting together in a board meeting, like, discussing releasing this game, and they played it and they thought, this is a good idea. I just want to like wonder like what went through their mind. They looked at the game and were like, "This is ready for release." I, th- I think it was probably a situation like you know you know that meme from a couple of years back where you know it'd be like a board meeting and the one guy says something and then gets thrown out the window. I kind of think someone said, "You know, maybe we should wait before we publish," and he got thrown out, and they decided to move forward. That's what I think happened there. It this was a purely money perspective thing. Let's drop it. Uh, there was hype about 2019 World Cup. And I think that's what happened. And they also like intentionally didn't show any gameplay before they sold the game, which is, I think they knew. Yeah, that's sneaky. That's sneaky. And the gaming industry doesn't um, like that stuff. Eh? And, and they're very ruthless in their reviews and so forth. Um, yeah, so that definitely did not help them at all. All right, Jason, final thoughts? Yeah, I will say with the studio, like one of the things that often got mentioned in the reviews was that they are a fairly small studio. I didn't even know their name when I saw it. So they are obviously doing their best, but they, again, there are some things that are just inexcusable. But anyway, moving on from that, like for me, I think just so important to, if you want to grow the sport, to have a game that people can play like this. Like, like I can use myself as an example with uh, football. Like I had no interest in football at all, but I developed that interest through career mode and through playing with you guys a bit and eventually got into the sports that way so i mean if you want to bring people in that is the way to do it because no one's going to sit and watch 80 minutes of rugby if they don't know what it's about 
100%. I got into basketball via the 2K route, um, you know, playing NBA 2K. Um, so I'm with you there. You know, if it wasn't for that game, I would not be a basketball fan now myself. It is quite straightforward like that. And I think the the key thing going forward is that if we, if World Rugby really wants to have a proper game that represents, you know, the product of rugby accurately, they are going to have to be a partner in this with some sort of a studio and be willing to invest in this. Because um, at the moment, I think the studios and the publishers are looking at this and they're thinking, you know, if we have to put all our money into this, it's maybe not worth it. Um, and that's why I think like World Rugby kind of needs to be like, yo, okay, like we really want to make a good game. We're willing to put X amount into this. Who is keen to do this project with us, you know? And then bas- basically build it from scratch. Be like, like we've got to think long-term, what do we need to put into place? What's the key things we've got to work on now? Uh, work out your timeline going forward. You understand you will need to improve some things down the line as your tech improves. And then go into a, a you know good healthy working relationship with a, a studio and a publisher. I think that's the road forward. Yeah, so let's leave it at that, and we're gonna move on to our boichi of the week. All right, so this week's boichi was uh, specifically selected by uh, Kaya and Jason. Uh, I was quite keen to have the caveman Shabashian Shabal as this uh, week's boiki because uh yeah i mean reports came about that he you know did like a karaoke performance in a caveman suit which is just uh pretty epic in itself however this week's boiki of the week is going to aaron smith because of the foot of god and it just sounds way way cooler than what sebastian did so Aaron Smith has got it. Uh, Kai, you want to take us through this one? Um, what happened at, with this foot of God? So I was up in a, about five, you know, five o'clock in the morning, watching rugby, and so yeah, the Blues are attacking like crazy, going for the line, going for the hinder's throat, and then I think it was a pick up and drive, and the guy picks up to go score. In his mind, he's like, "Oh, easy try." But Scott Gregory held on to him and through some very quick thinking, and clearly somebody who's used to using his foot to block toilet doors, put his foot out <laughs> and put his foot out underneath the ball and that stopped the try. Like it was so funny because like you could hear the crowd laughing when they saw the slow motion of how it was his foot that just got in the way. And like The man has been practicing for years. <laughs> Like it makes you think. Like so many players have stood in that same position and have never thought, "Let me put my foot out." And he's just like, for him, it was it was just natural reflex. You can see he's not even strained in the picture. He's just like, "Oh, let's just do this quickly." Yeah, you know, like like it really just looks like he was like, "Hmm, this is just an everyday event at the toilet door." You know, like this is nothing unusual. <laughs> Man's never going to live down the toilet. Technically, the Toilet Chronicles could also be the reason he's a boykey because, yeah. Do you want to make that boykey worthy, really, Kaya? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's boykey for, for the, the size of balls on him. But um, beyond that, it's not something that would necessarily be worth to recommend out there to some of the youngsters. So recommend I, doing I think it. we'll... It's a New Zealand tradition. Hey, it's Bill Williams, all of them. It's just... Uh... <laughs> 
we 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 are just gonna steer a little bit left of that one, you know. <laughs> we'll make the jokes, so we'll leave it at that. We finally have a scrum off, which is, it means that you know Brent Gatlin can get the ball from somebody he's used to. Yeah, so so Aaron Smith, you are dropping into our Boyke team. The nine spot has been available. You, we now got the foot of God in there. Um, so yeah, big ups to you. Uh, the team is really really taking shape. Um, I think we need like one, two, three, four, four guys to to you know get the starting fifteen together. We're still looking for some props, so props out there. Please do something boykey worthy. And then we're looking for a thirteen and a fifteen, right? So outside centers, fifteens, right? Uh, you still got positions available. Do something boykey worthy, and you're going to be in here, right? Uh, and moving on, let's take a quick tap and look at some of the interesting articles of this week. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna stick to Aaron Smith quickly here. So uh, <laughs> yeah, Aaron Smith also did something else in that match, which some people are really not that stoked about. So he's being criticised for milking play against the spirit of the game. Uh, Kaya, since you watched that game live, uh, what's your opinion on this? Um, like, I don't like it, but I understand it. So it's like, it's because like I, at first I thought he genuinely tripped. Like he actually like. Yeah, I know he ran into the guy, but when I saw the side angle where he actually jumped, then I was like, oh my goodness, this is really out of order. And, um, but yeah, he, he played the game to the limits. That's what a lot of scrum offs are known for doing. Gregan has also done it a few times. So yeah, I know they can be like, oh, it's the spirit of the game, but guys do all sorts of weird stuff. If we were still on the amateur level, I'd understand against the spirit of the game, but these are professionals and they're paid to win by almost any cost you know it's not officially any cost but almost any cost like milking happens in all aspects of the game like in the scrums props can milk it sometimes in the rucks when you can steal a ball but you hold it against the guy to get the penalty so this was just a very stylish way of doing it let me say that so uh, i do get it you're just trying to get any advantage you can especially they're in a losing position at that time so i mean i get it yeah, I don't, I don't like it, but he, he didn't do anything that was against the current laws. So you kind of have to be like, all right, um, well played for exploiting that. And if they want less of that, they need to consider how they are officiating uh, instances like that. All right, another article of this week that popped up. Um, so after uh, the match between the Chiefs and the Crusaders, right, we get two different responses from Warren Gatlin and Scott Robertson on that controversial try that CBRE scored where um, I just forgot who was trying to who had the ball but basically no 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 uh, um, the guy lost yeah so so Dunshe basically kind of catches the ball it goes backwards out of his hand bounces forward uh, bounces so nice CBRE picks it up scores a try um, so Warren Gatlin's like, yeah, I mean, this is kind of, um, you know, was a knock on, um, you know, it sucks that the call went against him. Scott Robinson's like, yeah, you know, backwards out of the hand, you know. Um, so which side of the fence do you guys fall on this one? Uh, like, I actually haven't read the laws in a while, so I'm not sure what it actually is now. So I'd rather take the safe space. But like, I think backwards out the hand is the current interpretation. So where it bounces isn't up to you. Right. Uh, let, let me make one distinction there. Right. So, so I read a lot of the responses that people put up to this. And the big argument here is that 
uh, did he lose control or was he trying to pass it? And it seems that a lot of people feel that like he lost control, in which case the ball dropped to the ground and it bounced forward, whereas uh, the law interpretation with the pass is that it's backwards out of the hand. So this to me seems to be the gray area. And to be quite honest, for myself personally, I, I'm, I don't really know which side I fall on because part of me understands the argument that, okay, the ball was, he lost control, bounced forward. Uh, but at the same time, you could be, well, did he actually try to just offload it to CV Reese as well? In which case, it did go backwards out of the hand. Jason, uh, which side do you fall on? Um, for me here, the issues are the law itself. It's not the referee's interpretation on the day because you're allowed to bubble the ball in your hands and it's still considered in your control. It's not considered a knock-on. So if you try to catch the ball and it bounces out of your hand forward and you catch it, it's still considered within your control. So in this case, he bubbled the ball a few times and then tapped it back and then it hit the floor and then bounced forward. So he was technically in control the entire time. The ball was not went backwards out of the hand. Again, like you say, legally, it's all good. Like if you want to start saying that's not control of the ball, then any time the ball bubbles out of your hand and you catch it, you then have to say, oh, that's a knock-on. And then we're going to get even more scrums. Yeah, uh, but my final thought on that is, uh, yeah, it would not have made a difference to the outcome of that game. No. It is what it is. All right, and then the last one, um, in an interesting article that popped up, um, yeah, the controversial man himself, Israel Folau, is now at the center of a fresh controversy after choosing not to take a knee before a, a Super League match. Uh, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on this? Kyle, let me bring you in here. Do you think he should have taken a knee? Um, right now, like, here's the thing. Taking a knee at the moment, well, previously it was an act against the state, and that was what Colin Kaepernick was doing. But now it's more demonstration than actual activism. It's not radical anymore. So, like, whether you choose to take a knee or not, it's up to you. I would personally have taken a knee because I understand the bigger understand of movement. But also the other thing is that Israel hasn't said anything about why he didn't. So we have no like context for his reasoning because there's been a number of guys around the world who haven't, and we've they've some have spoken, some haven't. All right, Jason, your take on this? Do you think it's deserving uh, for him to get all of this backlash because he did not take a knee? I think a lot of the backlash is also because of his past and because he has made no bones about discriminatory action. And I know I'm not going to get into like the religious background because that's a complicated story. And honestly, we don't want that controversy in this podcast. But for me, it's just surprising that he would stand on the side of an issue other than because I know homophobia, whatever. I know where he stands on that issue. But like the race stuff and the current climate, it does surprise me. I know there have been like other Christians who have said that they won't take a knee for this because you only take a knee before God or something like that. I don't know if that's true. I don't know the history about that. I'm not going to try to comment on that. But for me, it is in poor taste. But we do have to hear his reason and how he's going to try and explain it. Yeah, I do think the the knee thing that people said, you know, you, you know, taking a knee for prayer, whatever. It's uh, maybe a little bit tongue in cheek in, in into those comments that some of the people made. But I, I must say, like personally, um, I'm very surprised because I actually kind of feel like I'm 
I would kind of defend his decision here a little bit. Um, from my understanding, there's nothing compulsory about this movement at all. Um, this is an optional um, thing, and he decided not to take a knee. Uh, so I'm actually totally fine with that. It's his personal decision. You are not obligated to take a knee. And at the same time, I feel that he's actually not even, uh, he's not obligated to say why he didn't take a knee or so forth. Um, you know, people should have the freedom to decide what they want to uh, partake in or not. Um, as much as I don't agree with his previous comments before, I personally don't see a problem for what he did. And people must just kind of also understand that, you know, this is a personal matter. Everyone needs to make the decision for themselves. And that's kind of where I stand on that. Uh, yeah, let's just all be sensible in this. Um, I'm pretty sure down the line, it might he might you know decide to open up about why he did not take a knee all right uh gentlemen yeah let's uh let's wrap up this week's episode um so yeah guys you can leave us a comment or voice message on anchor tell us what is your opinion on these matters particularly the israel for one i think this is a fascinating development that's going down uh, we also want to send a big shout out to all our favorite boykies and this week's one, Aaron Smith, the foot of God. Um, cool stuff, bro. Um, yeah, all that training came in handy. Um, but for all your other boykies out there, keep on making rugby exciting for us. Props. Uh, yeah, you got to step up. We've got a couple of positions open for you guys. And then also you listeners, thank you for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode of the main event. And please consider following Bottomless Rugby on social media and podcast streaming services to stay up to date with the latest content. So until next week, stay away from your boys, wash your hands often, drink lots of water, and stay safe. Cheers.